there's just something that's more vibrant, more tasty, more bright about um, vegetables that have been like handpicked and brought to you with lots of love. And I think that um, it also seems to last longer in the fridge for some reason, and it might be because it hasn't been transported long distances. Welcome to The Gardener's Report, a Pittsburgh-based podcast where we dig into stories about gardeners to explore the work they do and the impact it has on our environment and community. This episode, we visit the Mayfly Market on the north side to meet artist Sarah Tang to talk about how food can become a tool for personal and community health. I am a multidisciplinary artist who works out of Pittsburgh and I also work part-time at Mayfly Market in Delhi in the north side. And we try to sell local organic produce whenever possible um, from local farms, um, most notably Tiny Seed Farm and Bee Wilder Farm and Footprints Farm up by Nimicolon. Great. So you were telling me about the history of the market and how it's been there forever. Yeah, so it's on Arch Street in the north, historic north side and that entire street actually used to be um, kind of like a market district street. So there were many businesses. Um, Mayfly is probably the last one left. There's an old firehouse that's no longer in operation. But Mayfly, the space in which Mayfly is, has been um, a market grocery store since the 1890s. And it was called? Back then, I think it was like, yeah, P.W. Hartman or something of that nature, but yeah. And before us, I know um, it was called Doug's at one point. It's gone through lots of different um, uh, generations. (laughs) Yeah, so you're, who are the current owners? And, and, the current and who owner founded it? is, um, yeah, so it would be Anne Gilligan, and she is the person behind Gilligan's Sorbet, which you can also buy at the East End Co-op, in addition to Mayfly, and it is just the most incredible vegan sorbet. She always comes up with the most incredible flavors. Some of my favorite flavors are the cucumber gin and tonic in the summertime, and the blueberry coconut's also very good. Anything with coconut I like a lot. In the wintertime and the fall time, she starts to make lots of different seasonal flavors, and those just get amazing. So you always have to come and check out what she's cooking up. Um, yeah, and then um, our other manager is um, Marie Barsic, and um, she does the ordering and kind of um, relationships with local farmers and vendors. Cool. So what are those relationships and you know do you get to meet the farmers or how do they you know they're pretty local so like do you go out and get the food or do they bring it in or how does that work yeah so they actually bring it in um marie and myself sometimes do um a work share with um tiny seed farm where we'll go and volunteer our time on their farm in addition to be wilder and yeah it's just a much more ethical practice to try to um Um, find locally sourced food whenever you can and to try to make it affordable for the community and accessible to the community Um, yeah they um, they bring their food in and then we also um, serve as a CSA drop-off pickup site for Tiny Seed Farm and all the people on the north side who have CSAs with Tiny Seed Farm 
Oh, that's so great. So now what kind of work do you do when you go out to that farm? Um, mostly, it's kind of like whatever they make me do. So they also, they have flower gardens. Um, I'll sometimes harvest the flowers or help plant or weed. It's a lot of hand weeding because even though they're not certified organic, it's a totally organic process. Um, I know one of our customers was absolutely thrilled when she got some lettuce and um, found a spider in it. And she was just so happy because she was just like, this means it's like the good stuff. <laughs> and I have to agree. Yeah. That's great when you have a customer that appreciates a good spider. <laughs> and speaking from my own standpoint, I have to say like my health really took um, an upturn. I, um, I have ongoing autoimmune struggles that I um, try to really be mindful of with my diet. And working outside and eating um, organic food that's like the fruit of your labor is like an incredible health boost. I can't recommend it enough. I think it's going to be the future for folks. That's so cool. So, um, yeah, tell me a little bit about the difference that you've noticed between your produce and the things that you have at the market versus things that you would get at a traditional grocery store. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, so when you go to um, a regular grocery store and you might get, like, say, a spring mix or um, kale or that sort of a thing, you know, whatever you use for your salads, um, it's, it's kind of like this subtle difference, but the folks who um, buy tiny seeds spring mix at our market definitely notice a difference. And we don't even know how to describe it, but it, there's just something that's more vibrant, more tasty, more bright about um, vegetables that have been, like hand-picked and brought to you with lots of love and I think that um, it also seems to last longer in the fridge for some reason and it might be because it hasn't been transported long distances. That makes sense. Yep. So now when you have um, a market you're really at the whim of your customers and so you know, who are your customers and how do they drive your buying? Yeah so I would say a lot of folks um, the north side, it's kind of like if you need to get your groceries, you'd have to drive elsewhere. I think there's like a giant eagle um, a few blocks down. But as far as like just staples or people want to run out and grab something or they need lunch, we're a really great option for them. Um, we have like a full service deli um, and we do coffee, you know, that sort of a thing for folks who need that. Beverages, little things you would pick up for lunch. We have baked goods from... Um, 350 bakery so yeah and I would say that um, we listen to our customers when they say this is like our favorite sandwich or um, you know we really pay attention to what they buy what they need what they want what they request and ask for and people always say they're amazed at how much stuff we fit in such a tiny little space and I have to agree because um, I actually live in Highland Park but I, when I've gone to different stores all around the city, I have to say that um, I think we offer really unique, hard-to-find selection, especially for the amount of space we have. Cool. I get a lot of my stuff there, so. So that, that kind of makes you a destination, so you're able to maybe pull in from an even wider Absolutely. audience. Absolutely. There's also a lot of, um, there's an influx of a lot of visitors to Pittsburgh as well, especially as the pandemic, the, the stricter regulations lift a little bit. Um, we have a lot of Airbnbs in the north side, a lot of um, tourist attractions. We have, we're a block away from Randy Land. Randy comes and gets his breakfast sandwich and coffee every day with us and sends lots of people our way. We're close to the Mattress Factory. We're close to Bicycle Heaven at City of Asylum, my favorite bookstore. So there's just so much to see always. 
Yeah, the north side is such a vibrant, vibrant place. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, I guess tell me a little bit about the staff and, you know, who works there and, and why do people come to work there and yeah, what's that like? Um, I love our staff. We're kind of like a small, tight-knit, um, really peaceable uh, community. We have Sue, who's our chef. We have Anne, the owner, who makes the sorbet. Marie, who does the ordering. Myself and Chris and Lee, who work up front. And yeah, we're just like a happy little family. Um, oh, and we also have Mitch, she's kind of newer. And then we also have Sarah, the brothmonger, the very famous brothmonger, and she actually makes her soup on site at Mayfly. And we sell out of her soup so quickly. Um, I know Rick Seebeck comes in and he's always looking for her soup. There was one time where he actually came in and he got the very last quart of soup. It was like perfect timing. I was just like, you could not have planned that better. Oh, so, that's so great. It was really great, yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, so is there anything else about the market that um, that's kind of interesting or, um, I guess, unique and different? I really like the fact that we're not a chain and that we have, like, an atmosphere that I think really uplifts people. I know when different folks I know who come to visit say that, they say that, like, wow, I feel so good just being in here. Um, we also sell um, local artists' work, local soaps right now, local raw honey you name it, we're kind of, we might have it, so yeah. Oh, and I also forgot to mention um, Root Cellar. They are two sisters, Abby and Erin, who um, make the most gorgeous bouquets. You can follow them on Instagram. We sell out of our bouquets so quickly, and I'm always amazed at the new beautiful bouquets they come up with. They sell little potted plants, and you can also find their bouquets over in the East End at Kelvin Coffee. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so we are in the Allegheny City Community Garden, and you have a plot here that you said you grow the oh, herbs. Mayfly oh, yeah, Mayfly, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Mayfly <laughs> does. <laughs> they meant me personally. Um, yeah, we have like dill, we have um, lots of like little herbs we might time, you know, what have you, that we um, will occasionally sell little bunches in the market, but we also use it for our cooking, so it's really awesome. We're start also this summer, we're making um, iced tea with. Um, um, homemade housemade uh, simple syrups. I think we have a lemon ginger one right now, so you should check it out. Well, that's great. And so now tell me a little bit about yourself and just like your your work and yeah. the, the things that you're working on. Yeah, for sure. So I kind of do a little bit of everything. So right now when I'm not working at Mayfly, um, I do a lot of work on a weekly basis with the hashtag not white collective. We are a group of 13 um, femme artists of different disciplines who identify as immigrants, children of immigrants, or having um, complicated multiracial, multicultural identities that don't really fit, fit into neat categories. Um, we have an exhibition out space gallery downtown up until August 1st, and after that we'll have um, a show at Unsmoke Gallery over in Braddock themed on birds. So last year we started seeing dead birds everywhere and we were like, what's going on? It was just kind of like an interesting time with the pandemic and such. So we always really tried to um, engage the community in conversations um, that really like deepen and elevate humanity. And I would say I also try to do that sort of work in my own individual practice when I do different workshops on excavating identity, um, that sort of a thing. Um, I also work as a studio assistant for um, Gavin Benjamin, who will be having a residency and show at Westmoreland Art Museum. 
and I also do website design work for lots of different artists and I'm the digital content curator for Anthropology of Motherhood which is an ongoing curation project of programming and artwork that is expanding the idea of how we think about caregiving. So a lot of times people kind of don't realize how important the most fundamental caregiving work is, which is that of motherhood, parenthood, caring, giving quality care to others. And oftentimes that, that the most important care and work of humankind often has the lowest pay grade or isn't paid at all. And we really like to showcase a lot of artists who highlight and expand this idea of how we think about that. We've had programming on black motherhood, Asian American healing in the wake of what has been happening with um, attacks against that community. We've also had land acknowledgement workshops. Um, we have had all different kinds of programming. We were at the Three Rivers Arts Festival for the last few years, providing a safe, restful space for um, parents and their children to find respite in the middle of the arts festival. So yeah, I do a lot of different things. Yeah, that's so fantastic. And I, I'm just seeing a lot of parallels between kind of the work of caregivers and, and that being undervalued and the work of a market, which, you know, typically, and I think what's so unique about what you guys are doing is in a traditional grocery store, you're looking for the lowest price. And that is literally devaluing that nourishing food. And so it's this cycle of kind of like, how do we get it cheaper and, you know, more and, you know, lower quality. And it ends up, um, you know, leading to you're using herbicides and pesticides and things that are going to get you really big shiny apples that have no nutrients. And so I think, um, you know, what you guys are doing at the market is kind of the, the a very similar parallel to that track. Um, do you have any, um, have you noticed any, any commonalities between those two? And, and what does that look like? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and this, what, the points you just raised actually bring to mind, um, I think a point you were making the other day when I saw you, which is that, you know, we, we try to find the highest quality in lots of things as much as we can in life. Like you wouldn't want to go out and find the cheapest, dinkiest car you want to be in a car that's going to keep you safe as it transports you. And in a similar fashion, why do we look for the cheapest, junkiest food option to try to save money when that is literally you are what you eat, you know? And I can attest to the fact that, like, in college, I think um, my cafeteria food was supplied by Sodexa, and they put, like, laxatives in the food. They're, it's related to the criminal justice system and prisons and stuff. My digestive tract was never the same after that. It um, triggered some thyroid gut issues and stuff, and I've been trying to heal myself since then. You know, lots of different things. But anyway, to go back to the um, original point, I think there are so many beautiful parallels in how we can, um, uh, you know, be more ethically minded and be more holistic about what we are eating, where our food comes from, and having that be about relationship instead of a transaction. And I think that uh, I think that's at the heart of what Mayfly is about. I think it's at the heart of what a lot of the farmers are about who are supplying a lot of the food that we provide. 
And I think that is like the only way I can see um, like a good future for humanity, especially in today's day and age. Um, yeah, and I think like, you know, I never really thought of myself as an activist, but then several different people started referring to me as such, and I thought about it and I was like, you know, activism doesn't have to be a loud screaming like thing all the time or like a rallying cry in a march, you know, activism is in the quiet moments where um, maybe you'll use a rag instead of a paper towel. Maybe you'll, um, I know um, Anne's like really great with the market with um, taking all of our stuff to down to the city to recycle, making sure we separate the cardboard and everything. Like it is by far the most ethical place I've ever worked. So I really love that. I love the community and um, yeah, it's therapy for me every time I come in. So yeah. That's really awesome. So tell me a little bit more about like excavating identity. What does that mean? Um, that seems like there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's a conversation I've had in an ongoing sense with the Not White Collective and with lots of different folks in my life over the years. And I think like as a little kid, I always wanted to um, dig up dinosaur bones. I think that's something we millennials all kind of grew up with that idea of like, oh my gosh, I want to be a paleontologist, land before time, all that kind of stuff. I think that um, as we get older, most of us didn't become um, folks who are working out in the field excavating dinosaur bones. However, I think that we are in on an individual and on a greater level, I think a lot of us are in the process of excavating our identities as it relates to um, the problems we face in society, such as um, race, um, your economic means. Um, the food industry like what are you doing like what what is your meaningful line of work you know that sort of a thing we um, we're also the most educated generation and we're learning a lot more about psychology than was ever talked about in previous generations I think all of that relates back to this idea of excavation which is kind of a gentle process you're dusting away um, a very delicate bone to use that kind of a metaphor and I think that um, a book I would like to recommend to everybody as related to this topic is called Braiding Sweetgrass. I forget the name of the author off of the top of my head. I could look it up later, but um, she's a First Nations author. And each chapter of the book, I got it at City of Asylum, as a matter of fact, every chapter of the book is dedicated to a story about a different plant a different realization she's had about her journey um, and who she is as a First Nations person, woman, um, American. And I think that if anyone wants healing, if anyone wants to know more about who they are, I can't say it enough, garden. Garden. It could be inside of your house. It could be helping out someone else who is a garden. It doesn't have to be a deep commitment. You will start to be changed by nature. Um, nature will start to change you. I absolutely agree with that. That's that's <laughs> super fantastic. Um, I know that's been true for myself. Um, so I think that that's, um, that yeah. definitely resonates. Um, I think yeah. that's really interesting. Um, so yeah, I think some of the challenges that you kind of mentioned, um, you know, particularly around like economic uh, challenges, going back to the idea of the food and the market, um, so, you know, your prices at the market, would are they 
would you say they're in line with traditional stores, or they're, they're? I would assume they're probably a little bit higher on some items because they're a higher quality. Um, and is do you find challenges in that being a, preventing people from accessing it, or how how do you balance that? And and what is what does equity look like in a market? Yeah, absolutely. We so we applied to um, the accept EBT of which I am on EBT myself, um, which is like food stamps and such. And we were actually denied, which is a travesty because we provide like all the healthy local food. We don't market the food up very much. We hardly make very much money off of a lot of the food. Um, so I think that sometimes there can be this like idea of like, oh, you're where rich white people go to shop, that kind of a thing. I'm just going to say it. But um, that shouldn't necessarily be the case. And I think that um, if we can dispute that EBT thing, you know, I think we're going to try to get that approved again. When I look at the prices at, like, say, Giant Eagle or other, other grocery stores for folks, they buy everything in extreme bulk. So they can um, mark things down by, say, 50 cents lower for a box of pasta we might be 50 cents higher but guess what that 50 cents higher for a box of pasta is going to the community it's going to support a small local market that's not a chain that's doing really good work for the community i think that's worth it yeah absolutely um so and then the other side of that so equity what what does equity look like in a market and how how can a market work in a way that is more equitable or what are the what are the, what are the barriers preventing you from being able to serve people in a more equitable way that would kind of reduce some of those barriers mm. yeah i think um <laughs> this kind of goes back to my work with anthropology of motherhood um our founder is a deaf artist and we've had some programming as related to um disabled mothers and um, who are working artists and all the kinds of different stigmas folks with disabilities face. And that reaches into almost every area of their lives. And I think that going back to this idea that we're spanning across like the market, um, activism work, your own daily life, trying to focus more on quality and care and mindfulness over making a transaction the focus or profit the focus um yeah i mean folks who have disabilities are people and i think that our society tend the, the older the more disabled the more um the more folks don't see you as being valuable to society the more you become invisible the more disabled you might be in a sense and um, this spans across things like access to quality food as relates to obesity and also to chronic health issues which may or may not have you qualify to have a disability um, it's like a whole thing but anyway yeah <laughs> yeah no that's that's really um obvious in so many places where you go and it's just it's designed for people that are able-bodied and absolutely yeah yeah and it's kind of like ironic because it's like you know i think folks 
I guess this isn't even related to Mayfly, but you know, folks wonder why people in um, like hover rounds or what have you are like zooming down the street in the middle of the street. Like, what are they doing? Guess what? The sidewalks are not safe for them. They, you literally can't because the trees are, the tree roots are kind of moving the sidewalk up. It's broken. There's potholes. People, people put things do, on the sidewalk. Yep. People <laughs> do what they have to do to get around, you know? Got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and so then back to the, the market. You have a lot of different foods. Um, what are the most, um, I guess, rejuvenating foods that you, that you appreciate there? So when, when you eat there or when you buy food there, what are the things that you find the most value in? By far, the produce we get from Tennessee Farm and Be Wilder. And um, I would say kind of like little random things. Like I, I am addicted to our olive oil. It is like so good, the flavor of olive oil, because I eat a lot of salads. And like the flavor of this olive oil is the closest I've found to like actual olive oil from like Italy. So it's like delicious on salad. Um, yeah, so worth it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, and so now you're, you're, what you said that the, the, what's the main focus? I guess maybe, I don't know if you did say that. What's most the main people, focus? Most of people, the I would say, come in for um, what we offer at the deli for the brothmonger soup, which changes weekly, typically. And um, for the sorbet, you know, get a nice little summer treat, get a coffee, stop on by, um, have some respite in your day. Sometimes I think people just come in to say hi and then they'll get something. But yeah. It's all about community. The Gardener's Report podcast is produced by the Pittsburgh Gardener's Report. Find us online at gardenersreport.com to learn about soil, plants, recipes, and the people who make our world better through gardening. I am your host for today, Anthony Stewart. Thank you for joining, and we hope to see you in the garden.